Hello, this is Jason Bullman. And I'm his wife, Rachel Bullman, and this is the School of Humanity podcast. There's a wonderful quote from St. Irenaeus that says, The glory of God is man fully alive. And this quote really propels everything that we talk about on the School of Humanity podcast, how we can use everything to glorify God, everything in our culture, everything about the human person, and all of it glorifies who he is within us. The week that this is airing is going to be National NFP Awareness Week. For those of you that are not familiar with that, NFP is Natural Family Planning. And Jason, you said you you didn't grow up. I did not. I mean, I was raised Catholic, but the term natural family planning was certainly not something you heard. Right. And I think the first time that I had even heard about, I don't think I heard the term NFP necessarily, but when I was reading Rome Sweet Home um, by Scott and Kimberly Hahn, because that was the big thing. For uh, her. For her. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was, um, I think he had already had, no, this was prior to his leanings. She had decided to she had to present like a position paper in her class yep. and was on the team that like had to present that contraception should be avoided. Right. You know, that it was a sin and she ended up believing right. <laughs> what she discovered <laughs> and then deciding that uh, they were no longer going right. to contracept. So it's awesome story. Yeah, yeah. Pretty great story. So if you're not familiar with that, Ron Sweet Home is really good, but we learned about it together, I guess. I want to say, Unfortunately, I think it was like, you know, in pre-Cana. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, the, the other night we talked about NFP with young adults and someone mentioned like, why don't we talk about this in RCIA? And I don't think it was mentioned in RCIA. No. It's definitely not part of like whatever curriculum we've been exposed to so far in teaching RCIA. It may have been in, in young adult ministry. Do you think it should be taught in RCIA? Uh, I would say so since it's such a, it's so tied to life, you right. know, and issues. it's kind of like and, a, con- not a controversial, but I guess it is. Right. And, and it's kind of like a hot button topic. Yeah. So, so it's, it's a philosophical rather than a theological discussion, but I don't know, nevertheless, because it is so controversial and so against the culture, I would say that it would be remiss not to. Actually, I guess you probably don't talk about the other things either. You probably don't talk about abortion. You don't talk about same-sex marriage or anything like that in there as well. So I guess it kind of does go along with that. But it'd be really interesting Mm -hmm. not to to have a class in RCIA that kind of touches on those things. Because obviously it's a beautiful thing to join the church and learn about her rights and, and the beautiful traditions of the church. But it's quite another, you know, as you get to know these kind of things that can be jarring if you hadn't been exposed to them prior to to your initiation into the church. But all that being said, we wanted to spend this time to really kind of dive into some of the the controversial stuff. I don't think we're going to get into like the methods of NFP and there are a ton out there. You have the symptothermal method and that's usually taught by the couple to couple league, the Creighton model, you have the Marquette method. You, I mean, there's just so many yes. different methods out there. And so it's it's a lot, so especially to try to get into like in an audio setting. We're going to talk about that and not show you anything in person. So, um, But tonight we're going to talk about contraception and, and particularly this, this talk that was part of our pre-cana package. So when Jason and I came into, decided that we wanted to get married, of course you go through pre-cana. And we got like a, a packet, like a pre-cana packet with all the stuff that we needed to prepare for marriage. And in there was a contraception why not CD, right? There was, yeah. And we kind of were laughing because it was a little bit like, sorry, Dr. Janet Smith, um, but it was like a bootleg CD. It wasn't 
Didn't have like a. It wasn't like an official. <laughs> yeah, right. Like didn't have a label or anything. No. It was like a blank CD, or someone had written on it in permanent marker contraception. Why not? And I'm almost certain that when we brought it up to our priest, that he was kind of surprised that it was in there. Do you remember that? Yeah, I think you're right. So maybe like someone yeah. snuck it in there, <laughs> like <laughs> sneaking it into all the our, the pre-cana packages. Well done. Yes, well done, whoever <laughs> you are. Um, and so we listened to it. Yeah. And do you remember what your first reaction was when you first heard the her talk? Do you remember what I my first? I do remember okay. your first reaction. Your first reaction was. Um, <laughs> She's a little, she's a little aggressive. Do you remember thinking that? Yes. She was passionate. Yeah, she was super passionate. She kind of made some snarky remarks, you know, and I got to meet Dr. Janet Smith last year at um, the Hildebrand seminar that they did last summer at Franciscan. And it was, uh, it was on love, sex and the human person. And I mean, she's just snarky. She's great, but she's awesome. I was, I was, um, I bought in for sure. Listening to that talk. It was very, um compelling yeah and we had like no idea what we were gonna do as far as like which method we were gonna choose but we just knew that that it was one of those things where you just you love the church and you do what she asks yeah anyway this great talk from her you can actually just google contraception why not dr janet smith and you can read all the transcripts from this talk i think it might i'm sure it's probably on youtube it's it's widely widely used um so we're going to use that basically as our outline for what we're going to be talking about. So just to give you, the listeners, some statistics, some timelines, it wasn't until 1930 that all Christian denominations, they, they didn't support contraception. So all Christian denominations up until 1930 said that contraception was not okay. When we talk about contraception, we are talking about the pill. But we're also talking about condoms. Correct? Absolutely. We are talking about everything that is included with contraception, um, the IUD, like the birth control patch. I don't even know. There's like a billion options out there, right? When you've yeah. gone to your medical conferences, there's a ton. There are. And so in 1930, the Anglican Church approved contraception within marriage for serious reasons. So let me say that again. The Anglican Church in 1930 approved contraception within marriage for serious reasons. And so then in 1931, Pope Pius XI wrote the encyclical Cassie Canubi, which also talks, and it's on Christian marriage, where he talked about the fact that we still do not support contraception. And then it still took about 30 years before things kind of started to be debated. You know, do we, do we still do that? Because you hear it about so many things within the church, like when are they going to, you know, get with the times? Yeah. I mean, you hear that about everything. I, I heard it said so beautifully. I don't even remember where, but they said it's it's such an odd thing to say, when will the church get with the times? Because the beauty about the church is that she transcends time. Yeah. So who the church is and the teachings that the church gives to her people are meant to consecrate us for eternal life with God. And that definitely transcends time. Yeah, Absolutely which is such a beautiful way to think about it. We do, So the church doesn't need to get with the times. We just need to get with the church. That's right. And are able to transcend time. So they did a study in 1960, and they said that about 66% of Catholics were living by the church's teaching, okay? In the 1960s, that's when the pill became available. Now, there were other methods of contraception, I'm sure, that were available 
prior to this without us getting into them because some of them can be a little crass, like some of the, the names for them. But particularly the pill came about in the 1960s. And this was a huge breakthrough, you know, um, at least that's what, how, it was, how it was definitely portrayed. You know, you can just pop a pill every day and avoid pregnancy. And it was kind of like this huge thing and all of the trials for it because during the time that they were developing the pill, they were also trying to develop a male version of the pill. They said that in the studies from that, that the men would get sick. They even had, uh, and so just for, for people that are listening, this is definitely not a ch- child-friendly child friendly school of humanity episode just because of the nature of what we're speaking about. Right. But the thing is, is that they said in some of those trials, the men, like their, their genitalia would shrink. Right. And they immediately stopped. They said, well, this is adverse to, to the men in this study, so we are just not going to continue to explore this at that time. Women, on the other hand, were dying. I mean, there were several women in the trial for the development of the pill that died, and they still continued right. to develop it and eventually come to a conclusion about it being, quote-unquote, successful, you know. And then in 1968, Pope Paul VI wrote Humana Vitae. I mean, the pill had come about, and, and widely the Catholic Church was kind of waiting on the edge of their seats. You know, does the pill mean that now we support contraception? And so there were some people within the church that were saying, you know, we should, we should get with the times, we should support this. And then there were some people that were like, no, we're never going to support this. And Pope Paul VI writes this document and people are thinking he's probably going to say we support it and they read it. And all the people that I've talked to about it that were alive during that time or know someone that was alive during that time said that it was just so like a bomb went off in the church. Yeah. And then I think it was Dr. Janet Smith that shared this beautiful story about the fact that Pope Paul VI asked for, he commissioned a artist to come into the papal apartment and to paint on the ceiling of the papal apartment a picture of, of Christ with the crown of thorns. So meanwhile, he, he commissions the artist. The artist comes in and begins working. He starts to write Humana Vitae. He releases it. The artist comes to him and says, Your, the piece is done. Like, I will bring you in and I will show it to you. They walk into the papal apartment. They look up and Pope Paul VI, of course, is like, it's beautiful. Like, this is, this is exactly what I imagined. It's splendid. It's far more, actually, than I could have pictured. And then he tell, says to the artist, why, why is there no crown of thorns? And the artist then tells him, because you wear the crown of thorns now, especially after Humana Vitae. Beautiful story. Such a beautiful story. And just immense to see the kind of pressure that I'm sure he was under by so many to change church teaching. And then, so this talk in particular, the transcript that we used is from 1994. It said that 80% of Catholics in 1994 were contracepting. 30% of Catholics were sterilized, which is the same rate as the rest of the population. And only 4% of Catholics are using natural family planning. Now, the other night, one of our young adults asked me, do you think that natural family planning has increased since? Like, do you think there's more people using it? What do you think, Love? Yeah, that was an interesting question. And I, my first gut is kind of like a little bit cynical, you know? Right. Because, <laughs> I mean, you just never hear people talking about an NFP, uh, like formally. Right. You know, uh, like you hear like your faithful young adult friends that like that we have and 
we're all discussing it, and and thanks be to God, you know, we've had what three marriages in the recent past within our young adult ministry, and so it's been a big topic around us. But I don't. Right. But you know, that kind of biases our perspective a little bit. I well, want I mean, to I believe. Think, I think the other thing too is that there is widely, especially within the millennial generation and generation X. I always forget who came first, but um, but within those two generations that desires more natural, like homeopathic ways to care for their body. Right. And I feel like just because of that, there's probably a growth in natural family planning. Maybe not necessarily within the Catholic church. It would be interesting to see how that statistic works out. But I think widely around the world, that there are probably more people that are using natural family planning than there were in 1994. Yeah, that's a good point. Although they don't have the right philosophical right. Uh, right. position. To, or they you know. do, but they just don't know why. Right, exactly. exactly. Yeah, they don't yeah. understand the notion of embodiment. And I think that that's a big thing. We talked about that briefly, that, that you know, embodiment, which I'm not sure if we've, we've talked about that in other episodes, but the notion of embodiment is incredible. You know, the fact that we are our bodies. That was something that St. John Paul II used to say all the time. Right. You know, it's not that we have souls and our souls have a body. It's that, you know, they are one and the same. Mm-hmm. They are two sides of the same coin, if you would say that, you know. Right. And so what we do with our body matters. It Absolutely. very much affects our soul. Yeah. That was kind of like the timeline, the breakdown. And then just an added bonus that wasn't included in um, Dr. Janet Smith's talk is the fact that 1968 was when Humana Vitae came around. And it, I think it was in the 1970s, early 1970s, when Carol Wotia who now we know as St. John Paul II, wrote the book Love and Responsibility. And I think that's probably going to be something that during this season of the podcast, we will probably dive a little bit into Love and Responsibility because it is a fantastic It's book. a must-read for a every must Catholic. A must-read. <laughs> I think it's a must-read for every person in the world. Right, exactly. Um, anyone that has any philosophical notion should probably read Love and Responsibility. With that in mind, I think that it is such a... It was probably, he probably published this. And I think, and I think that people around the world were just like, why is this celibate Polish man Mm -hmm. writing about love, sex, and the human person? Like, why, what do you know? And, and the philosophical notions that are put forth in this book are incredible. It's super dense, but it's so good. I think you see, you know, saints, you see people rise up in occasions, especially when the culture you know, is sort of falling into some specific either moral or theological, you know, ditch. Um, right. Because, and that, and I think that's twofold. I think one is that it speaks to the innate goodness of the human person because innately we know that there's something wrong here. We're right. trying to control what doesn't belong to us, meaning life. Right. And, you know, the sexual act where we're putting barriers uh, between uh, yeah, husband which is and such wife, an awful. Yeah, and term. when we, you know, when we enter into marriage not free, then we have this sort of hermeneutic of fear within the marriage, which then, uh, you know, gets portrayed onto the child. Where not only are we trying to control, uh, you know, our sex lives so that we avoid pregnancy, which is the natural en- uh, natural end of the sexual act. Right. But then we also want to then control our children and, and it affects the way we parent and those. So these sort of like innate problems that go along with the contraceptive mindset, I think cause within the moral person, the person who's seeking maybe not even holiness, but just like 
is wants to have integrity, you know, right? Uh, to sort of rebel against this um, uh, immoral act or immoral principle. And the other thing is that I think the Lord it does intentionally call saints out in these times to be to right, you know, um, the wrongs to to sort of stand up and uh, speak for the truth and. Right. You see that in Pope Paul VI. I mean, he, I'm sure, was very much crucified. And, right. And John Paul II was highly criticized when he wrote, uh, you know, Love and Responsibility. And then went on to do Theology of the Body. So. Right. And it's not just the world outside of the church that's criticizing. In fact, it's probably mostly his brother right. priests and theologians who are doing that. Uh, so it's exceedingly hard um, to, right. to follow through. But beautiful. These are things that I mean, obviously, within within the scandals within the church right now, this is definitely something that, as Catholics, we need to be well versed in the philosophical reasons why why we adopt such things, and also be able to promulgate that. You know, because it, it's definitely our responsibility as well. Wanted to also go into a couple of things, like some of the some of the notions why. People thought that contraceptives should be widely available. Number one was overpopulation. They really yeah. felt like there were some studies that said that the world was going to become overpopulated and we were going to run out of food. That was in 1994. You still hear that today. I think that that sort of myth was before the 90s. Right. Even, you know, this has sort right. of been a, I think, an ongoing sort of uh, situation. Right. And then... The other thought was like, if we don't have contraception, then women won't be allowed to work, you know, because all that'll be happening is they'll all just run around mm -hmm. pregnant and we won't be able to, to yeah. have women in the workplace. This is a huge lie. By huge the way. lie. Yeah. The third reason that Dr. Janet Smith uh, outlines is that contraception would allow for better marriages mm -hmm. because you, you could have sex whenever you want and it would allow you to have sex before you get married. Yeah, you don't, ha you know, for more, quote, spontaneity, like, you know, NFP, na it necessarily necessitates uh, the the husband and wife being... Um, Having periods of abstinence. Exactly. And not only that, but I mean, the man is involved in his wife's cycle right. and where she's at. Yeah, she makes a really good point, too. She says that yeah. she feels like couples that practice NFP have conversations that couples that don't practice NFP, like contracept. They don't have those conversations. Exactly. That, you know, like the the man and the woman who practice NFP, and, and Jason and I can attest to this, that you feel like an attraction to the other person and you have this conversation. So where are we at right now in your cycle? Can right. is it okay for us to pursue this tonight? Do we do we want to allow for another child? You know, how do you feel about having another child right now? Right. This possibility. Um, and then we have that conversation a lot. And she makes the point that like the couple that contracepts, what they say to each other is, I'd like to have children in two years. Okay, well, let's talk about that in two years. Exactly. <laughs> and then you never talk about it again, you know, or you talk about it in two years and now you're two separate people because you haven't right. discussed those things that bring you together. Right. Um, and that's obviously not always true, but it's one of those generalizations that she makes that I feel like it does make sense. And then the other reason is that she they they said that, you know, if there's a decrease, if we contracept and there's a decrease in unwanted pregnancies, that there's also going to be a decrease in abortion, which mm. is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and so... We're actually 
running out of time. We literally have five minutes. So we're going to give you a couple of other things. Um, Humana Vitae. And then we're going to do a part two to this that talks about our personal experience with NFP because I feel like that's actually more more important, almost more important than obviously the church teaching about it. So Humana Vitae, my love. Yeah. So in section 17 of Humana Vitae, there were some uh, predictions made, which are now we look back and are very prophetic on uh, the behalf of Pope Paul VI, uh, where he predicted that there would be a general lowering of morality in society. And um, from you know the 1960s till now, I think that that would be very easy to uh, prove. You know, secondly, he said that there will be a general disregard for the physical and psychological well-being of females by males. Which is really interesting, too, when you think about the trials to develop the pill, you know, that I mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah, it was born sort of in that environment of, you know. And, and, you know, of course, a huge premise is that if a woman takes the pill, then a man can use her for pleasure and then not have to... Have the quote-unquote consequence of a baby. Sure. One of the things that they've they've said that have happened is there was a... I wish I had it in front of me, but there was a Supreme Court ruling that said if we're going to have the pill that may fail, then we need to have abortion as a right, you know? And so I had a friend tell me recently that one of the most heartbreaking things outside of the uh, abortion clinics is to see men just drop off Mm-hmm. Their woman, their wife, or their girlfriend, or their acquaintance that they might have had sex with to have the abortion, and they don't right. go in with them. Yeah, there's no responsibility there at all. Right. So there's the just other. a general disregard for right. for what what this means, you know. So what was the third thing? So the third is that you know governments would use um, basically contraceptives for coercive purposes once it was widely available. Which yeah. you definitely see that yeah. in China. You see that in it most prolifically in China, but you also see it in other places too. Well, I mean, even like when we were like, oh, we need to send condoms to Africa, you know, again, we're trying to use an artificial means to control, you know. I mean, let's not go down to Africa and teach them about what it means, the conjugal act, what marriage means, what what love means, what abstinence means, what self-control looks like. Let's just send them condoms anyway and the fourth is that uh if you know contraceptives were you know legalized we would begin to treat our bodies as though they were machines and we see that in many different places even outside of of the conjugal act outside of outside of contraception right that we in in vitro fertilization and right so we now feel like we own um the ability to bring forth life and we can decide who lives and who dies and you know this sort of mechanical approach to our bodies which the this philosophical presupposition there is that our bodies are separate as you were saying before right. they're separate from our soul so we can kind of treat them however we as want. this object that we use um, and but at the same time we tend to i mean in a backwards way we still are admitting to the fact that if i can manipulate my body into this thing or to do this thing then i will be happy Right. Like that. And so there's part of that person that does all of those things that still in some way is acknowledging that the things that they do with their body actually affect their affectivity, that that affects their soul. It affects their heart, their emotion. So it's true, whether people want to admit that or not, that we must we must live out an embodiment or we suffer like an estrangement from ourselves yeah. if we don't do it. So... 
Thank you so much for listening. This stuff is, uh, it's kind of like some hard hitting stuff. When you really start talking about contraception, you start talking about the correct place and time and people for the conjugal act and the natural law that then lies in that, which we'll, we'll probably get into in the next episode, but it's national NFP awareness week. So episode one, and we hope you'll come back for episode two next week when awareness week is over. God bless. God bless.